Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Let us begin with the 25th verse. Deuteronomy 33, your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, and in his majesty through the sky. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you, and said, Destroy. So Israel dwelt in safety, the fountain of Jacob alone, in the land of grain and wine. Yea, his heavens dropped down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, people saved by the Lord, the shields of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their high places." Lord, help us to understand what we have just read from your holy word. Because if we could, our life would greatly be enriched or even be changed. Now, I have been away to a far country, and one that is very severe in many ways. The summers are short and the winters are long, and right now it's a delightful place to be. That is, if you like the outdoors. But in just a few short weeks, uh, the winter will come to that place, and it will be very severe. The temperature will drop well below zero and never come above that until spring. And the ice on those lakes will begin to pile up and be four to six feet thick. And the snow will come down and will pile up to some place that will be anywhere from 6 to 20 feet deep. You wonder how anyone could live in such a severe country. Well, there are people there, and they're very hardy people. And they have to be to survive and to live in that type of a climate. I noticed this year something that I have never noticed before since I have been going into that, that back country into that wilderness, and I noticed that there were some Indians camping, which they quite often do, they move from one lake to the other, but in this lake they come, they're about the same time every year, and they camp for maybe a month or so uh, on this particular lake, and so they were there. And I happened to notice this time uh, that uh, they had uh, in camp, I saw one single solitary chicken. You don't usually see chickens back in that part of the country. Now this was a very unusual chicken that had very long legs and a very slim body. It brought me back to the day that when I was a child on the farm, and I remember that we had a similar strain of chickens on that farm that stayed in the back part of the fields and come to the house, stayed in the back barn on the property. And they were known as game chickens. They were chickens that were bred in order to fight. I don't know why we had them, but they were there. But I remember as a kid that there used to be one flock on one hill and one on the other. And the game cocks that ran with those hens, if they got together, uh, they would fight. 
and they would literally fight until one of them died. And so, of course, you know what us kids do when Ma and Pa were gone. Uh, we had us a chicken fight, you know, once in a while. I remember those things. But we'd, after a while, we'd separate them and carry them back to their special hills, and then everything would be, well, there are some people like that. Now, we look around us, and we're able to see people who are able to stand in life regardless of what comes, how difficult, how hard, whatever pressures are put up. You just know that they're going to stand and give an account of themselves. You just know. These are the people sort of you, you mentally and emotionally lean against. You know they're there. You know they're going about their business. You know, regardless of what this world throws them. may kill them. They may die like the rest of us. But you know in the midst of their difficulty and their hardship that they're going to stand and give an account of themselves. Now we look around us and we see other people who want to be that way. They want to be courageous. They want to be dynamic. They want to be creative. They want to be able to stand and regardless of what might come to them in life, the storms of life break over them and the storm has faded the way there they are. They're standing when the mist clears. You can just count on them standing there. We want to be that way. We would love to be that way, but... We look around and we know that there are those who find life too difficult, it's too severe, it's too strenuous. They turn back, they withdraw, and they have quit. They have hung it up, so to speak. And so they are the sad and the tragic ones, the backwash of our society in which we live. What is it that gives people a quality of life that causes them to stand? Regardless of what the storm might be. Well, if we were talking about chickens, we'd say, well, maybe they were bred that way. But folks, there's no need for you looking to your background to try to discover something there that can steal you to stand in life. If old Abraham had to look back and thought about his roots, uh, he would have never been the man that we know that he was in the sight of God. And we think about not only Abraham, but we think about Moses. Think about this. Think about Moses. The background that he came from, it wasn't his background, David, Elijah, we think about Peter, we think about Paul, we think about these people, we know that as we look at them, it wasn't something necessarily in their background that helped them to be the type of person uh, that they really turned out to be. And they had to look for something else besides uh, their background. And I want to tell you this morning... There is that which you can lay hold of, and I do not care what your ancestors, who they may be, how good they are, how great they are, how little or how insignificant they are, makes little difference. Because you can be a failure, I don't care from what background you come from. Or you can come from the lowest type of background, and you don't have to remain a failure. You see, there is power and strength that can come through what we believe. When you cut through all that life has to offer and you cut through to the very heart and soul of yours and my heart, you can come to the place where you can see that there is a strength that comes through what we let this mind lay hold of. Now, folk, I have made very many important statements to you, but I have never made one more important than that statement right there. When you look at these men who grace the pages of this holy writ of ours and see what happened to them and what they did, what happened and what they did 
is a product of what they believe. And I do not know anywhere else in all the scripture that this is more pointed in just a few words than a scripture that I read to you this morning. And it says point blank, as your day, as your days, so shall your strength be. Did you get that? I didn't say that. This is what comes from God's word. As your days, so shall your strength be. Do you have that kind of strength? Well, dear friends, if you don't have, I want to tell you three basic things you can do to make sure that that is yours. And you can count on it just as sure as there'll be another sunrise tomorrow. You can count on it just as sure as anything else in your life that you have ever counted to be a positive and to be true and to be real. You can count on it. Now let me quickly say three things to you this morning. The writer here gives three reasons. In the short scripture that I read to you, he gives three reasons why this is so. As your days, so shall your strength be. And he tells us why. And this is the way that I want you to think about it. You see, in order for this to be a reality within your life and my life right now. Now folks, this is not something you want to practice tomorrow. I'm talking about something that you can lay hold of at this very moment. Right now. You must see God as your provider. Now that's what this scripture is saying. Now every good man and woman wants to provide for their family and to provide well. And when this ability and capability of ours is threatened for any reason, it's a problem. And if we're a little bit weak or off base, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you've got a red-hot problem. And one that is a very difficult one to handle. Now notice, in verse 28, if you've got your Bible, take it and turn to verse 28 in that 33rd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. And notice what he said. And the writer says, Yea, his heavens drop down the dew. Now that sounds just like a casual statement, almost meaningless unless you know what's behind it. Now, as I have shared with you before, I read in one of our scientific magazines here not too many months ago uh, where the writer was saying, it is not the great mighty rains that fall from the heaven that really sustain the earth. But the thing that really gives life, permanent and enduring life to the earth is the dew that falls at night. You never hear it. It falls so gently that you can hardly feel it until after it has fallen. You think about that. How did this writer know that? See what this writer is saying? And that it is with God that this world is sustained. It's what he's really saying, that God is in really control of the earth. He is the one that speaks and says for it to produce, and it produces. And for any reason why, as we have reason to believe within the Old Testament that it happened from time to time, when he was ready to seal the heavens, as he did with Elijah, that the earth refuse to produce. You see, back in our mind, in sort of a fragmented way, we really believe that God is in charge. But do we really believe that God is the one that provides for you and for me? You see, this was the thing that's brought out so beautifully in the book of Job. Read the book of Job. You see, he had all these troubles and difficulties, but it's one thing that Job knew above everything else. And that is somehow, someway, God was connected with his dilemma. And that's the reason out on the ash heap outside the city suffering so they wouldn't even lie him in the city. It was such a hideous looking person 
that uh, out on the ash heap there, out on the garbage dump outside the city, there's when he rose to be his greatest, when he said, if I could only go before my Redeemer and reason my cause with him, that I would be able to convince him. But notice what he is really saying, that he knew somehow, some way, his condition was locked with God. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Oh, my, what a statement. And this writer says uh, that God is in charge of the earth. God is in charge of the earth. He also controls the heavens. Where does this do come from? You see, this is what this person thought. This is what the scripture is talking about. Not only is God in control of this earth, but is he in control of heaven? Well, we would admit that he's more in control of heaven, perhaps, uh, than he is upon the face of this earth. But he is, whether you believe it or not. We have got to see God as our provider. Now, if you turn to the book of Kings, 6th chapter and 25th verse, and I won't take time to turn to that, but it's a very enlightening story. Old Ben-Hadad had one of the greatest armies upon the face of the earth at that time, and he had encircled the city in which God's people were staying. And he had kept them there pinned up so long that they had turned to cannibalism. They were actually eating their own flesh. And you remember that the old prophet said to the king, Now, come this time tomorrow, uh, that there will be enough flour in the city to take care of everyone. And you remember the one uh, that the king, the, the captain that the king was leaning on, said, Well, even if God cut windows in heaven, this could not be. And the prophet said, yes, you will see it, but you will not eat of the flour. And you remember what happened to him. But now what would you have done? Here was that great army out there encircled this walled-in city. If you were God, how would you have gone about this thing to make come to pass what the prophet had predicted would happen and relieve this starving city and these people? It was very simple for God, because you see, all he caused was a mighty wind to blow. And this great army thought that, that in this wind they heard chariot and horsemen and soldiers and the whole thing coming, and they knew that they were going to be overrun. And so they left their oxen, they left their camels, they left their mules tied just as they were in their horses and ran for their lives. And the city found the next day that all that they needed within this city. Now I've told you that story to say only one thing and emphasize one thing in your mind this morning and that is God is provider. Now folk, when you cut through every bit of the stuff and which you and I are going and coming in, ultimately it is God provider. Let your heart lock onto this. Secondly, you must see God as a protector. He is my protector. It is He that thrust out the enemy. It is he who says destroy. It is he who says they go and they go. It is he who says that they come and they come. How many of you really believe that hymn that we read, that we sang to open our worship with this morning? Where are all of these kingdoms that we have known in the past? It is the church that still stands. Dear friends, that goes whether we be a nation or a people, are you as an individual. Now, 
I'm not a pacifist in any stretch of the imagination. Anymore do I believe that if God is the one that is my provider, but I don't believe that that gives me the right to sit down and to do nothing and to think God is going to feed me. It does mean, though, that I do the best that I can and leave the rest of it up to God. The same thing is here. I believe as a nation that we ought to stay as strong as we possibly can. But let us never come to the place that we trust and what these physical hands of ours are able to put together because ultimately they will fail. And there will only stand God. God is the ultimate protector of all of us, you and me. It is God that is in control of the earth. He will say, He is our protector. He is our protector. We are strongest when we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's always couched a deadly era here at this point because we think that we are the ones who lodge within my own being is the sole one that I can depend upon. And so if I gather about me all of these things to keep myself strong, then I am strong. My heart, my spirit, my mind can be somewhere else. Uh, what an illusion. What an illusion. It always leads to tragedy. Ultimately, our destiny, our fate is in the hand of a living God. As a very young person, some 19 years of age, approximately, a young soldier in the southern part of France, during the Second World War, part of the greatest army, mechanized piece of equipment that had ever been put together before our sense upon the face of this earth. I can remember on a very cold day in winter and a little town place called Argentan. You have never heard tell of before, but burnt in my mind as long as I live. I can still see that torn sign that marked this little town of Argentan. One of the great battles that uh, helped decide the fate of that war was fought in those fields around the little city of Argentan. Standing alone, a single, solitary American soldier, long way away from home, standing on that battlefield after the battle had moved on toward Paris. There were hundreds of soldiers on both sides. Our soldiers had, they had fallen, had bodies had been removed, but the German army that was slaughtered there was still on the battlefield. No one to mourn them. No one to move their bodies. They stayed there for more than two months. Slaughtered with the animals, the broken pieces of war machinery. It looked like a great B movie. The whole field, a hundred acres or more of it. There it was, as far as your eye could see. Nothing but slaughter. Death everywhere. And quiet like you wouldn't believe. No birds. No animals. Deadly silent. Standing among the dead. What awesome feelings. What tragedy, what loneliness, what sadness. And I carried within my pocket a Bible. 
And in the midst of that devastating scene, I wasn't familiar with this passage of scripture that I'm going to read to you. I want to read you something that too is etched on my mind like you wouldn't believe. As long as I live and in charge of my mental faculties, this is what now, someone else would looked at the situation and said uh, that they didn't hear God. They could have been standing right beside me, and they wouldn't have heard anything either. But to my heart and to my soul, God spoke. And this is what he said. You will find it if you've got your Bible. You read the 91st Psalm, my first acquaintance with the 91st Psalm. Listen to it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, and my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the error that flies by the day, nor the pessimist stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Listen, listen to this. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your habitation, no evil will befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now it's interesting to note that the devil used those very words to taunt the Lord Jesus Christ when he was in his trials and tribulation. You shall tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent will trample underfoot. Because he cleaves to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well... And it was at that time that I knew that I would live to see this day. Is it possible? I stand before you as testimony to what God says. What he said in the book of Deuteronomy and what he has said here in the psalm. God ultimately is our protector. Dear friends, do you believe that? All these myriad of things can happen to you. Do you believe that under it all and in it all, that somewhere, someplace, somehow, God is the one that has the final say? Well, if you do, blessings on you, dear friend. You've got life. If you don't, I hope you will before the service is over this morning. It is just like in the Old Testament the book of Daniel, the third chapter, where it talks about the three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You remember that when the furnace was heated and they refused to bow down to the king, 
Do you remember what they said to the old king? And they said, in effect, and you will find it in the third chapter of the book of Daniel, beginning with the 16th verse. And they said, O king, we're not going to bow down to your God and to worship that graven image in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And our God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, he will deliver us from the furnace. But if he doesn't, you know that we're not going to bow down to you. Well, it's no wonder it made him fight mad. And he heated the old ovens up seven times hotter than it had ever been heated and threw them in there. But they were right. They knew something that your soul and mine needs to know, and that is that ultimately God is the one who will deliver if he chooses to do so. But if he doesn't, listen to that courageous statement, soul of mine. Listen to it. Life is here. But if he doesn't, you will know that we still will not bow down to your false gods. And in the last place, God is my comforter. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And what? Underneath his everlasting arms. Oh, how beautiful. And underneath his everlasting arms. They, they never fail. A dwelling place. Oh, it may seem that you dwell upon the face of this earth, and you do, but there is something that you dwell in that's absolutely fantastic. You cannot see it. You can sense it. Sometimes you can feel it. You know it within your mind and your heart, though, as being a reality that you dwell in the dwelling place of God. It's just as simple and just as wonderful as that. And you know that you have the everlasting arms of God around you. And dear friends, there's not a one of us that has lived any length of time at all. But what doesn't know that this old world in which you and I live and this life can be so confusing and so complicated and so hard and so difficult that you have experienced a hurt of heart that's absolutely astounding. There's no way to measure what the human heart can suffer. The pain of it. The pain. And you know already as well as I do that there's no doctor upon the face of this God-given earth regardless of how brilliant and how capable and how wonderful he really is can alleviate those pains of your heart and your soul. Unless God wants to address himself to that situation, the pain of your heart and soul, your heart and your soul is going to continue to hurt until at last God addresses himself to it. Just as he has in the past, just as he had with Job, just as he did with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's in his own good time that he will bring us to the place where he will speak to your heart and to my soul. But rest assured, dear ones, that God will not leave you always to suffer. Somewhere, someplace, to those who are committed to him, this God that you and I serve will speak to you and to your heart, and when he does, you will know regardless of what the pain has been, even to be a crucifixion as it was the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he speaks to your need and your condition, it will be all right. And once again, your heart and your soul will sing. God is my comforter. Three things. We must see God as our provider. We must see God as our protector. And we must see God as my comforter. And when I am able truly to believe that with my heart and my soul and know it to be a reality, I too can have a soul that this world can never conquer because it is locked in the hand of a living God.
O our Father. Help our unbelief and bring us to a place where we can truly trust Thee in order that we today might have life. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.